Hey, I'm Laurie. Hey, I'm Phil. Can I start off today's programme with a bit of tech, techno panic, Phil? You know, they used to say this sort of thing happened all the time uh, in uh, previous decades gone by, but it, it's happening to me all over again, specifically because of the pandemic and Zoom in particular, because we record this while we're on Zoom talking to each other. And uh, I logged into my computer. Phil, Phil was already there waiting for it. But <laughs> the reason I knew this was because I got an email that said, Philip Bailey has joined your personal meeting room. That's what it said in my email inbox. So this is before I'd even started my personal meeting. And I got really creeped out, man. It, it, to be honest, even though I trust you and you're my brother, it feels like your face is up against my window. My just window. waiting to look in, just over the curtains, <laughs> yeah. Laurie, let me someone, in. Someone is in your personal meeting room. I want to personally meet with you. <laughs> even if you're not there, they could be in your personal meeting room. How does that make you feel? <laughs> like if a, they get your idea, like a they could just be stranger in the there. corner. Yeah, no, I understand. That is a bit freaky. I've had... The similar experiences. I don't like the waiting lobby. It freaks me out. When you've, you're exactly. conducting a meeting, you feel this immense pressure to start. And it's like, rather than you being like, I'm going to open the doors and let them in, they're already in the lecture hall and you're trying to quickly set up your equipment <laughs> ready for them, saying, I'm just, I'm just, you're that sort of haphazard professor trying to get their slides ready to show a really creepy, weird presentation on Atlantis or something like that. Atlantis? I, what are you, you teaching got, your kids? What I, what I was genuinely <laughs> thinking of was the opening of Stargate with, um, with the, what's his name, Daniel, the uh, the guy yes, trying to I give a lecture to generals about other worlds. That was my impression of, uh, that was the image that I conjured in my head of, yeah. You didn't see it coming, did you? But there we are, a whole new era of techno panic has arrived in the virtual world. It feels like sending out a wall E. Anyway, beyond that, welcome to Flicks and Film, episode nine. We're nearly at the big 10, Phil. Have you enjoyed these last 10, 12, whatever many weeks? Uh, yes, I think it's been fun. We've uh, got back into the groove. The Super Bailey Bros are no more. Laurie and Phil prevail. Um, but uh, I think we've found a nice little little niche of uh, movies, films, uh, TV shows, streaming, games, whatever, whatever we fancy, really. It's just chit-chat, really, isn't it? It is just chit chat you know we kind of made that legitimate this week by um starting to shout about it on twitter so i, I put our joe wicks interview up phil mm. as our first ever clip is that is that our best foot forwards though i think it's your best foot forward isn't it <laughs> i don't think no, i'm not sure about that okay look, we'll stop <laughs> rambling what are we going to talk about you've got loads actually phil yeah it's a boatload of stuff because we're no longer constrained by time and new releases it's more like things that we've come across i finally watched onward the pixar film that i was quite quick to disparage and uh, gloss over when we talked about Soul in our very first episode but I thought I'd actually watch it and give it a go and give my thoughts on Onward uh, what have you got Laurie? I have seen a few things on Netflix so Jiri Hadji uh, is the main one I want to talk about this is a BBC slash Netflix production um, and it's uh, a sort of Yakuza crime drama mixed in with the London underworld and a lot of relational things as well mixed English and Japanese Netflix has been berating me with it in my sort of here you should watch this recommendations for months so we finally dipped into it and uh, finished that one off well on the back of that I'm going to talk a bit about uh, Line of Duty because that's another BBC production uh, similarly crime and police and all sorts and it's in it's current a bit isn't it at the moment new series is out with Kelly McDonald as the sort of main well, how interesting you should mention yeah. her yeah there's a little, little bit of accidental uh, synchronization going on here listeners isn't that good? and then I've got some other little thoughts about kids tv shows and end credit music and all sorts so i'm sure we'll see what will fit in can i tell you phil i'm i'm off my game already because um i rearranged my office this week i'm hunched over talking to you which i don't normally have to do and i can hear the echo there's something about the acoustics has changed because i've swapped sides of the room so i'm all off you're, you're gonna have to do the heavy lifting this week <laughs> don't i always <laughs> oh imagine a whole hour 
of that razor sharp wit is to follow. <laughs> Get your thoughts in flicksandfilm at gmail.com at flicksandfilm on Twitter. Uh, lovely to have you along. Let's do it. Right, Pixar's Onward. Uh, I ignored it and I said I wasn't interested in it. I saw the trailers for it. I wasn't fussed. I skipped it and watched Soul. You can hear my thoughts on Soul in episode one right at the very start of the podcast. I wasn't, I was a bit hit and miss with Soul. There were some bits I liked, some bits really disappoint me. And I thought, oh no, is Pixar on the decline? And I thought, oh, if, if Onward's anything to judge by, I think it probably is. Just from the trailer, I was quick to judge. It's one of those films that came out just as the pandemic was sort of happening and I think it got right. swept underneath the uh, the rug of cinemas closing. It was on buses in a really creepy post-apocalyptic way. Ages. It's like one of those symbols you see in films of a society <laughs> that's destroyed. Because months and months later, we're still saying, onward, this Christmas. <laughs> it, was really, yeah. it was really depressing, actually. So maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's, why I, maybe that's my association with this film. So I thought I'd finally watch it. I was at a loss to what to do. My wife was busy doing some work and I had to just amuse myself for some hours or two and I thought let's finally give Onward a go and lo and behold it did surprise me. This film stars Chris Pratt and Tom Holland as two brothers who are part of a magical world where elves and goblins and ogres are grown up and modernised. There, there used to be a world of magic the, the beginning of the film starts with uh, where wizards could help other people and other creatures using their special magical powers but that's quite hard to do. Magic's quite hard to learn and so eventually people discovered the light bulb and modern technology emerged and the world was taken over by normal things. Phones, iPhones, cars, um, canteens, whatever it is, modern, modern things. <laughs> and um, as a result people forgot magic and uh, we have these two sort of elves, I think they are, Ian and um, Bradley, Badly, Broadly. Phil, did you? When did you watch it? Can I just? When did you watch this? Film <laughs> it's really hard, hard to keep the names in your head of all these things. There's so many names in my head in my current life. It's hard to keep all of them in my head. Anyway, it can't have been. I, I feel like you've already given us half a review. It can't be that memorable. If you're for the rest already. of the film review, I'm going to be very clear, and I'm going to say Chris Pratt and Tom. Because that way, you know, they're basically cast as themselves. You've got Chris Pratt as this sort of dorky older brother uh, to Tom, who is a bit nervous, a bit geeky, a.k.a. Peter Parker. Um, And they, uh, one day, they happen to come across a gift from uh, their dad, who has died, sadly, from an illness. He has given his magical staff with a special phoenix gem uh, to resurrect him. And the whole film was about a quest to see maybe if they can get one more day with their dead dad, who Tom Holland has never met. So that's the kind of thrust of this film. A lot of heartfelt sort of emotion right from the get-go. He'd never never known his dad. Okay, do you want to do trailer or what? Trailer it, man, and then I'm going to get into the meat. In times of old, the world was full of wonder and magic. But times change. Morning, Mom. Hey, birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. (gasps) No way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm gonna meet Dad. 
Right, Phil, Phil has requested we stop that early. Phil, I've got. To, can I jump in with a couple of things immediately? Yep, you haven't seen um, the film. Let me one, tell me. Tell me all your no, thoughts. No, 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 <laughs> no. Because I want to say, have you heard of Full Metal Alchemist? Yes, absolutely. Um, I very, know very, very much famous. about it. Yeah, okay. and that has echoes of this very much. So, for those of you who haven't seen, it's a well-beloved anime show, manga. I mean, it's massively famous. Otherwise, I wouldn't bring it up. Yeah. Who two brothers who want to resurrect their mum, and they have to use sort of alchemy to do it, and it comes with a great cost and all that sort of things there's lots of echoes of that for me as well when i watched the trailer i thought oh this is just a copy of the same sort of thing but pixard and so maybe it's not going to be as good yes um this film really surprised me really really surprised me because i didn't want to give away anything and i hope the trailer wouldn't give away anything so that's why i stopped the trailer early because it's not quite as you'd expect but i think this has actually got a lot of heart to the film and a lot of really solid story and characterization in it that I actually, I found myself really, really enjoying it. I really, really think you should watch it. That's good news. I am already surprised because I have to say it looks sort of generic. It looked like it was trying to wind its way through a story without accidentally plagiarizing just about every story ever. So, wow. Is it original or is it just good? I think it is got some original ideas, but I think it's more about the quality of the story and plotting and the individual plot points that happen and the journey you go on with the characters. Um, I think the brother relationship between Chris Pratt and Tom Holland is really fun and they are exactly cast as you'd expect them to be. Um, Chris Pratt, you need to not think of him in Guardians of the Galaxy or buff and cool. Instead, you need to think of him as Andy from Parks and Recreation as the sort of chubby right. slob. That's the sort of character he's playing. But he would do a really good job. Um, and... It's got some nice twists, nice turns, especially towards the end. I, I was, I was not, not, not ashamed to say it. I was weeping a little bit because it's very emotional. Really, it was the end. that really? Uh, yeah, Pixar got me again, and I thought I was way past that day because that's what Pixar's become famous for. But I think it really earns the ending it gets to, um, and I think it probably is better than you think it would be. I would really recommend if you skip this one by, watch it because it's much better. It's a much better sort of solid story. It's not exceptional. It's not amazing. It's not Finding Nemo or Monsters, Inc. But it's much better than you give it credit for. And if you've got a Disney Plus already, it's definitely worth your time. It's only an hour and 40 minutes or so. So it's not a super long slog. And it's quite fun, quite creative, nice characters and a nice story to go with it. However... Oh, you, I'm, I'm, oh okay. You said however. I was going to jump in. I, okay, give us the however. Here's the thing. Laurie, you probably would have picked up on it from the trailer. The movie starts with them saying, we used to be in a world of magic and blah, blah, blah. blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. And then iPhones happened and everyone changed, everything changed. I really, really wish that somebody had come up to the, the, the Pixar people and just said, there's no need for that backstory. The fact that it's set in a magical world of unicorns and ogres and elves, all in a modern day, contributes nothing. And actually, I think it takes away from the story. Because it's all central around this idea of can they bring back their dad for a day using some magic? Imagine if the whole story was just set in a normal universe and instead the magic was, is it actually magical? Is it possible? Is it going to work? I wish the film had thrown away the artifice of this magical world they're in and instead just played it straight and had it be set in the real world. And yet, for some reason, maybe this dad might have had a bit of magic to him. I think the whole film, like a domino effect, would be so much better and much more rewarding as a, as a viewer if they'd made that one change. 
Um, and I think well, if anything, look, I've got some more questions. Okay, that's jump so interesting. In. All right, carry on. If I, no, no, you just said if anything, and I cut it at the wrong time again. If anything, what? If anything, <laughs> I think the magical setting probably put people off because it's like, oh, what's the deal? These elves and it's sort of set in a. It's a bit like that Will Smith film Bright, where he was a police officer with ogres and pixies oh. and things. And you're like, does it need all that backstory? Does it need? Is it part okay, of? Okay, now, okay, right. I'm going to jump in now. Don't give me another if anything. Moment, okay, sorry, please. sorry, sorry. <laughs> I will, so I think I'm with you on that one. You know how sometimes, uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I can't think of a good example now here. But you know, you're looking at something and there's no one thing to hook onto, so you're not entirely sure what it is, and it kind of passes you by, right? That's a kind of classic marketing tactic for products as well as films and stories, whatever else it is. People need to know your hook, um, and I think you're right. When I saw it, it just looked like a mishmash of ideas. And without a single solid thread, except that there might be some kind of emotional gut punch with the fact that the father had died. And I don't know, that didn't add up to a sort of um, appointment to view for me when I saw the trailer. Your review of it makes me think twice. But let me sort of come back at you there, because this reminds me of you saying, um, what was it, that film Sing? Yes. The X Factor style film. You were like, what's the deal? Why bother with them being animals? And yeah, I think you thought it was a bit lazy. Um, and there's a trend in Hollywood to be a bit lazy, just using animals mm. to tell stories. But there's no actual reason for doing it. You keep saying that, but uh, maybe this is where like, it makes me wonder what the reason is. Maybe, you know, the characters, maybe they needed them to be sort of gnomey looking elf types. Or maybe they had a character that they really wanted to be a unicorn. And there's no way of doing that without making it this kind of magical fantasy world. Or if they did have all those characters in a magical fantasy world, but they didn't have this kind of history of it, then it kind of wouldn't add up. Then maybe it may be like glue or jigsaw puzzle pieces that you're right. It may not be a main story driver, but there may it may be more like they couldn't avoid it. Or it could have been merchandising, which I think is often mm. a much bigger pool than you think. So I think Sing, I'm almost certain, was that will be a merchandise and like a family trigger, right? You see a funny animal comedy, you think that's an appointment to view for me and the kids and might be exactly the same thing here. Was, is there something in that? I think you're probably right in terms of, oh, like this is Pixar film, we need to have some sort of something to entice children. But Because what else would it be? But what, what a I mean. shame because it's... Just it, people, just people. If you have people and then the possibility of magic and him discovering magic, this boy discovering magic that maybe leads to him spending one more day, you've got this whole question of is magic real? Is it actually something there? Is there anything to what this whole situation is about? Because you have this backdrop of a magical world where you already know for certain magic is a part of it, you don't have this sort of tension of whether or not they're actually going to be successful or not because you know magic already magic exists. exists and so it kind of it takes away from the story and i wish they'd or at least it... it makes you assume an ending which obviously you're not telling us because you would never spoil such a thing uh, in your <laughs> i would season. never spoil anything i've gone uh, to great extent <laughs> no. and if you watch it you'll know for a fact i've gone to great extent of not spoiling it because when i watched okay. it it was not spoiled for me and i'd seriously recommend checking it out that's that's my big push check it out and then if you disagree with me i'll take the minus one send them in you can rain them down on me and i'll take all my negativity often people say critics it's not just about putting things down it's about standing up for the little guy and saying this is worth your time i think there is something here that's worth your time and I, I pl- applaud, I plead you to watch it. Uh, three kids under five, will they get it or will it be too emotionally tough for them? I think they'll probably enjoy aspects of it. And probably you're right. This is where Laurie's annoying because the whole sort of setting of magic and elves and, and uh, goblins and things contributes to it all. Uh, I think it's a it's a good fun adventure with different things and I think the ending is good fun I'm sold I'm going to give it a go I'm intrigued let us know your thoughts if you've seen it tell Phil he's wrong or right flicks and film 
at gmail.com or at Flicks and Film on Twitter. One thing I want to add, Phil, uh, Jason Headley is one of the writers. He's one of three writers. I think that name doesn't mean a lot to you, but I'm looking at his writing credits here. And if I say to you this, it is not about the nail. Do you know what I'm referring to? Is that the YouTube video with the... Yeah, the YouTube video with the the woman (laughs) with the board, or is it the nail in her forehead? Yeah. um, That took the sort of Facebook world by storm. It was shared all over the place back in 2013. He wrote that. Wow. And then three writing credits later, he's writing Onward, a Pixar movie. Wow. So the actual guy featured in that video helps write Onward, which I think probably... It's a good thing, right? Because that sketch really connected with a lot of people. I wonder whether that's what propelled him into that world. It immediately makes me think, let's do some sketches, man. Come on, Hollywood's going to come and knock in. <laughs> Pixar movies, here we come. I'll send him the Joe Wicks clip. <laughs> Joe Wicks into Pixar. Money in the bank. I've been having a little bit of a mini obsession with end credit music because I've noticed that since I've been binging lots of shows or my wife's been binging shows, the end credit music pops up way more than it normally would when you're watching regular broadcast TV. That's true. And it gets into your brain in a way that you wouldn't even realise. And so I thought I'd play this. There's been a couple of examples of of music which I just, I'm not sure it fits really what sort of thing it is. Um, So I've got a a little game for you. I'm going to play it for you, Laurie, and I want you to close your eyes uh, while I uh, share the screen. And um, I want you basically to... To tell me what is the 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 show that goes with? Um, Do I have to identify the exact program, or can I just tell you the, the type kind of show? Of show it is? The type of show. So uh, the first okay. one, I'm just All right, to, hit me with it. So I love these quizzes. Well, yeah, I don't me. know if it will work well or not, but um, I'm going to play this one, which is a, a favourite of mine. Hopefully, this works. Okay. Oh, that's the OC. Come on, that's the OC. I just that's love way it. too loud. Or is it One Tree Hill? It, oh, it is the OC. Yeah, it yeah, is yeah. the OC. Well done. Brilliant. Yeah, it's the OC. I love that. Brilliant. I love that track. Uh, just, I've, I've, I've asked Laurie to play it on guitar often because I love it so much. Have I, have you? Did you use oh, all the time? That. I say, I can you learn? Because I don't know. There's something just dark and moody and everything. Anyway, close your eyes again. I'm going to play the next one. What sort of show do you think this might be? I've tried to turn mm-hmm. down the volume okay. so it's not so loud on you. Yeah, yeah, Ready? yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, is this a TV show? <laughs> That's really difficult. Uh, I tell you what, my first guess is, is it kind of like a baking program or some kind of um, DIY show? I bet you it's actually quite mundane. And this mad... Um, yeah, I'm going to go for that. Some sort of reality show, possibly baking. Am I right? That was The West Wing. <laughs> it sounds like a Christopher <laughs> Columbus movie. It really does. Not that far away, though. There is a bit of a dreamland thing going on. I know, but I love the Western. Right, close close your eyes. Next one. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love this theme song. It's a short one. That's number blocks, mate. It's number Number blocks. blocks. I can't believe it. I thought (laughs) it was like a... um, I thought it was like a... Five, four, three, two, one. Number blocks. Man, it's it's catchy, isn't it? It's quite cool. It sounds like it's... um, it should be something else, doesn't it? <laughs> Playing it again. <laughs> There's something about the, the trombones at the beginning that just make me think of like a, a really important like a magazine news show. Yeah, no, it's quite a jazzy program, that one. The music in that is actually much better. Like in, Judith and I used to sing to each other quite a lot. I'm six blocks up and down <laughs> and two from side to side. I'm the same in both directions i'm as wide as i am tall it's quite moving actually 
whoever they got to do the music. It's quite clever, isn't it? It's, uh, uh, yeah, anyway, right, next one again. Close your eyes. What sort of show, Laurie? <laughs> what is going on here? Uh, oh, uh, oh, can you give me a clue with how modern this one is? It's quite recent. I don't think you've you seen it because I don't think it was very popular in Britain. Let me play uh, the very beginning because it's the, the, the whistle yeah. at the beginning that I really like. <laughs> I've got no idea. It sounds, I, I, I want to say like, rope. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop playing it randomly in my ears. Uh, I got my eyes closed. Right, I'm going to play the whistle. I want to say like Robot Wars or something like that. It's not Robot Wars. This is this is actually like a crime <laughs> criminal procedure program, a bit like oh, uh, Monk, but that whistle, man. Yeah, that's cool whistle. It sounds a bit like. Um, to be honest, it sounds a bit like an advert for a bank. I, I'm going to open my eyes. It's now. bad though because I have. Oh, Castle. Okay, yeah. that's a bit of a silly show. Though, that isn't is it? a bit it's silly, a bit but silly. that whistle, man. I'm not a massive fan of the show. Ellie, my <laughs> wife, loves it, but I've been whistling to myself like all through work, just <laughs> all the time. It gets <laughs> in your head crazy quickly. And last one, then. This is the what sort of show do you think okay. this one is? This is a great quiz, man. You should do this. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm thinking about words this one now. What sort of show is that, Laurie? So I want to tell you, Phil, that there's some sidechain compression going on there to cause that pumping synth chord. Um, so I want to say it feels a bit like modern Grange Hill or something like, or something like that. Oh, I don't know. Is it a soap? It's Hit not a soap. It. That is uh, actually, open your eyes, it's for Netflix's Vox Explains. Oh. It's like a documentary series, but there's something weirdly okay. like enchanting that makes you want to watch like the episode. Tomorrow's World or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. And they play like, they play like uh, audio clips of like Winston Churchill and little sound bites as they're playing the intro introduction. It, uh, there's something weirdly cool. hooky about Look it, man. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I need to watch this show. It's so important. Yeah. Are you saying that that vocal is Winston Churchill? No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's my very, very silly uh, introduction. You should do credit. that, actually. If you auto-tune historical clips into your next pop song, that could be a new wave, man. That'd be quite I cool. I mean, that's basically... Um, uh, the, yeah, there you go. Well done. Oh, no, that was really good. Uh, you're, you're totally right. It's... it's um, End credits music can be either brilliant or it can take you totally by surprise. This is the thing which I found with Castle, and that's why I played it, because it would be like... It would end on like a serial killer. It would end on like a serial killer getting away with it, and then it'd be like like really happy and like completely mismatched cheat like and then so i feel like there's something important about either it becomes like a little reward at the end of the show you're like oh i get to hear the fun little music again or it's something else i don't know this is such a rich theme of stuff man i want now what i want to do is hit you with a show and see if you can immediately sing the theme song oh that's tricky um, let's do that maybe next week next let's week that next theme week, song uh, off in my, well let's here's number one smallville do you know what it was oh it was um somebody said yeah, it? yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, that was a good. Come on, and I don't know the words, Somebody but save please save me. Call nine nine nine. <laughs> um, let's but do that, that next good, week. Good track, good track. Okay, yeah, sing off theme song. Sing off. <laughs> <laughs>
if you have any great recommendations for end of credit stuff, then do email us in. I'd love to hear your recommendations for really good. Yeah, just tell us your faves music. as well, or the ones that always make you chuckle. Because I, I want to do another bit, of, another bit of content fill in a couple of weeks. Because in the age of streaming, it's always skip intro or tap the next episode button before the outro can start. <laughs> yeah. Next episode. So I, I want to talk about that intros you don't skip, for example, and inter- intros you always do. Uh, well, I'm out of breath now. Sorry, sorry. Right, let's talk Jiri Hadji. As I said, this has appeared on Netflix many, many times uh, uh, trying to persuade me to watch it. And I think as we've already discussed here, I went through a thing, especially during lockdown number one, of watching quite a lot of uh, Asian language drama and like Midnight Diner and Missing and all these other programs. And so I think that must be where the recommendation has come from, from Netflix. But what instantly put me off is that the trailer on Netflix starts with the most sort of bland... A British police station scene. Uh, you can imagine they're just sitting around saying, "Oh, what was he doing that? What well, with a regional accent? Yeah, what well, was he? Right. Oh, mm, typical. You know." And you, just, I just want to switch off. I don't, I'm not even watching the show, but I want to turn off my TV because it's so boring. And I'm so glad that I ignored the trailer that Netflix has put on there because it's it's interesting, man. This is a really interesting show. And if you start sort of scanning the internet for reviews, one of the consistent themes. Um, from what people's reaction to it is this show is bonkers and people use that word quite a lot it's a bit mad and I kind of I think they're overselling it a little bit but there is a real grain of truth in that uh, assessment of the show so should I play you a trailer for it first yeah this is a BBC and Netflix production isn't it it's a joint one well you know man it's a bit confusing because I've looked around on the internet for this and the Wikipedia entry certainly doesn't suggest it was a joint production but Netflix did pick it up. So it aired on BBC Two in October 2019 and then it aired immediately uh, on Netflix on the 10th of January, which is very, like, that's short, isn't it? Mm. Considering that it's only an eight-episode run, that sounds like almost immediately after the TV run had finished, it was on Netflix, which makes me think there must have been some kind of deal in place right at the beginning. And certainly um, it wasn't renewed for a second series and that was a joint statement by BBC Two and Netflix. So I think it was a BBC commission but Netflix must have been involved in it right from the outset. Um, and I think I can see why that's the case. But here we go. Let's do it. Let's do a trailer um, before I take you through any more. After a year of thinking he was dead, I just found out my brother, Vuto, he's probably alive. You're close with your brother? Yes, we were. He's wanted in Japan. He has done something terrible. So, what are we investigating? I'm looking for someone. London, Yakuza, are not here. Yeah, there's one. Get the Yakuza. Cheers. Rodney, is Kenzo in trouble? We're all in trouble, honey. Not my place to say. Something bad happened. You have no idea. アニキ。お父さんから連絡があったき。俺たちを待ってるからって。あんたの家族は初めて音だ。形はどうあれ。あんたの家族に落とし前をつけたものよ。よ、アンクは別にアンスリックスペシメンでバマ。ナウアイノ
is my responsibility as a policeman to make him see justice. But my responsibility as a brother to keep him safe. Every tiny split-second decision we make can potentially have a profound effect on everyone around us. We crossed a line. We're not bad people. We just did bad things. Laurie, I have a bit of a confession. This is sat in my potential watch list for a long time as well. And I haven't ever Has pulled it? myself into actually committing. You know, you get that sort of weird, uh, almost like it feels like effort to start a new show because you have to get back into yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, it's... Giri Haji has been one which I thought maybe there's something interesting there. So I'm very intrigued to see hear what you say. And I picked up that there's something on the Yakuza there. Yeah, you probably had exactly the same thing as me. It was there. And I feel like it's a classic marketing technique. The more times I saw it, I thought, oh, maybe today's the day. Um, and I dipped into it. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know how much you were able to pick up from the trailer there. Some of it obviously was in Japanese. Um, but it is quite... Well, is it labyrinthine? I want to say it's quite a labyrinthine plot. <clears throat> I'll give my my best sort of mini summary on it uh, I possibly can. So in Japan, there's the Yakuza. They're a bit like the Mafia, not exactly. They're organised into families and rival families um, can cause problems, you know, trying to vie for territory, who controls which industry, whatever. At the moment in Tokyo, there's peace um, in the organised crime world and things kind of happen. The police are aware of everything that's going on. Um, but then one day in London... A Yakuza family member is seen dead. He's been killed with a sword or a kind of, I don't, I think they call it a sword anyway. I'm going for a sword, but it looks like a dagger to me. Um, and then everyone's sort of thinking, well, how did this guy get killed? Who killed him? Why did they kill him? And more than that, it turns out this sword um, is extremely identifiable because it's a family heirloom for one specific family, which then ignites a Yakuza gang war because the idea is that, well, obviously that family assassinated this guy and he's important to this family. And all of a sudden the bodies start piling up. Things are going wrong in Tokyo. So let's try and solve this. And um, the police chief and um, one of the Yakuza crime bosses go and meet a detective in the Tokyo police called Kenzo. Uh, and they want to send him to London to try and track down the origin of this threat. There's more to the story, of course. Turns out Kenzo's brother had joined the Yakuza many years ago, was presumed dead, but actually isn't dead. And the police chief and the Yakuza boss know this. They know he managed to escape. So they believe that Kenzo's brother, Yuto, is in London trying to stir up Yakuza wars in Tokyo. Does that make sense, Phil? Have you got that yes. wrapped around? Yes, Just about? Okay. So Kenzo is going to London to try and find his brother and bring him back to Japan, A, to face justice, and B, to end a Yakuza war. And he kind of goes there as a part of a weird cultural exchange with a police, a London police department, so an English policeman called Roy, sent to Tokyo instead and while he's there he has to attend these forensic classes and his professor there is played by Kelly McDonald she's a forensics lecturer and the reason he's doing that is because they thought they were getting someone less experienced than they actually were they don't realize that this guy Kenzo is the brother of the person who's suspected they just think he's a Japanese detective coming to solve the problem so can you see how already there's wheels within wheels here there's layers and layers and layers of complexity yeah and his sort of background with Yuto is quite complicated. Um, and the way that Yuto ended up in the Yakuza and Kenzo's relation to that is quite complicated. There's a lot of people doing things for other people. And it all comes down to that sort of central conflict. What is your duty 
and how is it motivated or compromised by shame? How do those two things relate? And what does it look like to be a person who acts with integrity and conviction? When you And then there's mixed into this, there's also uh, Rodney, played by Will Sharp, who's a, ma- a male prostitute that Kenzo meets while he's trying to investigate where Yuto might be um, because he, he figures that this guy Rodney might be able to help put him in touch with the criminal underworld a bit. Um, his daughter, Taki, Kenzo's daughter Taki gets wrapped up in it as well, and she's going through a sort There's of characters upon characters, man. There's so many. Well, right, and now, so you, I'm glad you've said that because what's so strange about this show? I, I first of all, it's eight episodes long. I enjoyed it. They're about fifty minutes long each, but there are some really, really weird problems with it that are kind of unique to it, and uh, this is why I think people say it's a bit bold and a bit bonkers. It's written by this guy Joe Barton, who's now quite a big deal actually. Um, out of nowhere, it's one of his sort of uh, big sort of uh, claims to fame. He wrote some of Humans. That was a big series mm. for a while. Um, he wrote Invasion, which is a, a thriller starring Riz Ahmed and Octavia Spencer. Um, he's tapped to write a sequel for Cloverfield. And um, he's uh, helping... Oh, he's going to sh- uh, be a showrunner on a Gotham City Police Department spin-off series based on Batman. Um, so he's suddenly being catapulted into big lights. And I think that, I know that sounds like an irrelevant fact, but I think you should remember that when you consider how sprawling and how weird this show becomes, because I wonder whether this was seen as his sort of runway to stardom. And I think they allowed him to get away with creative decisions that I just don't believe would fly uh, under anyone else's sort of roof. And I think the BBC and Netflix co-production element to it uh, forgives it as well. Because there's there's mixed animation, there's split-screen scuff, stuff going on, there's dance scenes uh, to uh, sort of symbolise drama in various places. Um, there's a lot of extremely indulgent side plot stuff going on, especially with Rodney's character. Um, episodes that appear to have no relevance to the central plot, but are an exploration of characters and their broken relationships. And I think right at the heart of it, is that it really should have been one or the other. It should have been either a Yakuza London slash Tokyo joint police sort of criminal investigation underworld exploration drama that maybe had some family ties involved, or it should have been a, a kind of drama set up a bit like, would well, you remember the film Crash? Yeah. Um, and there was another film like it as well, where you have, it's not really a typical narrative, is it? A it's bit split like into uh, eight or whatever. Babel, Babel. That there was an exactly right with Brad Pitt was in that, wasn't yeah. he? That's it. And you actually, it's not a narrative so much as it is a window into the lives of all these people exploring a central theme. Right? There's one event or one theme that connects all of these different stories. And the, and it, this show cannot make up its mind because it kind of gives equal weight to all of these different characters, which is why I've had to introduce all of them to you. I haven't even mentioned Kenzo's wife back home and Yuto's love interest and a baby that's involved in that and relationships with mothers-in-law and dying fathers. And Gosh. like, it, there's so much weight given to each element of the story. I think, I, I just can't figure it out. I, I believe that a lot of people will try this show and maybe tap out maybe four or five episodes in because I think especially episode five, right in the middle, there's there's the most unbelievable climax in episode four. And then episode five is a very extended um, character piece. And you're just like, what is this? What's going well, on? I completely I don't understand. lost the it show that I was one... watching. 
Yeah, well, yeah, it culminates in one character shouting at the sea, I'm bleeping Kate Winslet. And you think, what has that got to do with the Yakuza crime drama? Like, it's a very, so like, it's so, it's so <laughs> mannered and confusing. I do think that's the major problem with it. It didn't know. I think halfway through it decided it wanted to have been Crash or Babel all along and instead follow all these different characters and how the concept of duty and shame intersects in their own lives and their regrets and their hopes and everything else. But it can't ignore the fact that the entire first episode, almost all of it, is set in Tokyo about this Yakuza drama. You can't start your show like that and then lose the plot halfway through. And then go on to Kate Winslet. Yeah. Yeah, it makes no sense. Um, this guy, Takahiro Hira as Kenzo, he's really, he's a great screen present. He holds the screen in quite a good way. He's a kind of stressed out middle-aged Japanese detective. But they needed to figure out how good he was at English. Because it's like he speaks in quite halting, functional English for a lot of the show, as a police detective would, trying to figure things out, use less words and use intuition and kind of insight to build it. And then when a, a romance subplot gets in there as well, he starts talking metaphors, <laughs> like in English. Stop it, man. Like, and you start to like cringe at these scenes because you just think, hang on, uh, it, the film, it doesn't know what it is. I, I believe it's because Joe Barton was given a platform from which to leap to incredible heights. And here he is working in the Marvel Cinematic Unfurling your all these other things. wonderful butterfly wings and showing all the things you can do. And so I think when they cancelled the second series, my guess is because they maybe realised they'd lost control of what the point of this was. And I think if you look up American reviews of it, a lot of people say, wow, why didn't I see this? And so many people say, this is a really underrated gem. I love this. It's really gripping. I'm, I'm, it's not like anything else I've seen. It's really compelling. But I bet you they didn't know how to market it. And they didn't really know where it could go next. And I, it's just, a, it's such a mess. And yet, I quite recommend giving it a go. And don't feel too worried if you tap out halfway through. Enjoy it for what I, it is. It isn't for everybody. Yeah. Does it I feel like I've done quite a, a bad job. Does it end on a, a satisfying note? Um, only eight episodes. Um, does it, and it doesn't continue for season two. Are you just sort of left? Yes and no. Adrift. Yes and no. No, no, yeah, no, no. So I, I, sorry, I should make that really clear. It's a totally contained story. The season two thing, I think they were looking to spin out some of their subplots. Um, right. So this is a totally contained story. I'll say I think it chickens out a little bit. Okay. Um, personally, I think it chickens out a little bit, but it is compelling. Performances are all really good. This guy, Will Sharp as Rodney, um, like he he is brilliant, and that that is a complicated and fascinating character portrait. Uh, the like of which you don't normally see um, in TV. But I think they knew that. I think they knew it was really good and a brilliant performance. So I think they overindulged in that storyline mm. uh, personally. So I, I think I've given you quite a messy review. It's gripping. There's a lot of action, a lot more than you'd expect for a TV procedural like this. It feels quite a lot like a limited series, maybe HBO style, just mm. with slightly less budget. It is well shot. And just occasionally the direction and the sort of art um, styles is fascinating. It's this guy, Julian Farino, um, and, and kind of fun and unexpected. Um, um, you tease yeah. this all... I, I get a feeling you want to talk about Kelly MacDonald. Well, I'm um, curious because I was going to talk about her when I was talking about Line of Duty because uh, you teased the fact that when the trailer popped up for it, you were just not interested in it at all. And you're like, oh, what's this? Not at all. Because it's no. all Britishy and like, like really boring. What's your feeling about British TV in general? <laughs> I don't like it, man. No, <laughs> it's what put me off it. I really find it boring. And uh, I think this must be a, a factor of watching stuff that is made in your kind of region and your cultural context. Because I just think, especially the BBC, it has to be said, you know, excellent in many ways as they are. They're quite predictable, really, aren't they? And they don't do anything to challenge that. 
accept the adventurousness of this show and with the content of it. It's classic BBC. Um, and that, like, right down to that, like, oh, I thought you were going to go away for the weekend. Like, oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> okay. Right. So that's, uh, say the name of the show again, because I'm already going to pronounce it wrong. Jiri Hadji. And it's got a high, it's even got a weird name. It's Jiri slash Hadji. And it often appears as Jiri Duty slash Hadji Shame. So uh, look it up. I do recommend it. It's strange, but definitely worth a go. Okay, we'll get in your plus ones, minus ones for Laurie. If you watch it, give it a go. If you tap out, let us know what episodes you do tap out on. And uh, yeah, let's let's see if other people are intrigued. Like, I think I'm going to give it a go, and I'm going to give you a plus one or a minus one, Laurie. That's my uh... well. You should you should do. I think you'll probably agree with me, but you'll probably do a better and a more concise way of explaining it than I have. There, <laughs> okay. I feel like I've really messed that one up. Um, but I I'm sort of holding back on my thoughts on British TV because I think you and I are going to get into that in a bit, right? Well, it's yeah. I I, I don't know if you're going to play a jingle or just going to let it play out as as you do. No, let's do it. Let's do another section. Let's do another section because you want to talk about jingle. line of duty. Jingle, jingle, jingle. I know jingle, you do. Jingle. Right. Line of Duty, yeah. So Line of Duty, um, it's it's held up as this sort of like the best of British. Jed Mercury, it's been phenomenally successful. Um, I've watched, I got hooked into it about two seasons ago because everyone was talking about it, uh, featured on Gogglebox and they're like, oh, you can't, oh, who's H and all this sort of stuff. It's it, a big kind of water cooler effectively type show for British audiences. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. The thing is, I've been watching Line of Duty for a long time. It's on its sixth season and Kelly MacDonald appears in this as the sort of main, um, the main person that they're investigating. So each, it's about AC-12, who are the anti-corruption um, kind of department of the police. And uh, they go round and each each season focuses on a different copper who might be bent or not. And you've got uh, Ted Hastings and uh, his crew investigating, trying to sort of deduce... Um, and it's, I don't know how I feel about Line of Duty because in one sense, I do think it is quite good. There's some interesting put twists and turns and there's some genuinely quite shocking, unexpected moments where you're like, oh, I can't believe it. And you want to watch the next episode. However, there's this whole kind of, I don't know, try hard vibe to it uh, about the whole show mm. that just, I feel <laughs> like it's careful. symptomatic. People love the show. I know People they love, love it. And, I, and I'm a fan of the show. <laughs> I have, I make that very clear. I am a fan of the show, but there's a try hard element. And I think this most recent series is possibly the one which has most highlighted the try hard element because they're all about the technical language, right? They're all about like a subsection 4A, according to the criminal code, you have been found. And they do like really formal, like accurate in inverted commas, uh, investigations and debriefings of police officers and it's lots of cat and mouse sort of games and they're trying to make it seem very serious and authentic and real and gritty but I kind of think it's to its own detriment but the most recently in the, the newest uh, season they keep calling it they keep on talking about chizzes do you know what chizzes I need to speak to the chiz no I don't where's I, I need a meeting with the chiz and it was so like what on earth is a chiz they've never explained what a chiz is that the the continuity person at the end of one of the episodes is like and for those of you who don't know what a chiz is it's uh, blah 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 basically it's an informant that's what well, it is in the, the actual channel announcer yeah the channel announcer was like if you don't know what a chiz is wow. this is what it is and because it's an informant that's all it is it's a fancy name for an informant it's like an, oh uh, an acronym or whatever for each letter stands for something uh, covert intelligent surveillance i don't i don't know just make up anything but why call it chiz informants perfectly fine just use it <laughs> anyway i have been enjoying it but this kelly mcdonald mcdonald kelly mcdonald donald she, Donald's, Kelly McDonald's, yes. like McDonald's, the yeah, restaurant. Yeah. I get too passionate. 
Kelly McDonald. <laughs> She's the most the kind of big name that they've drawn in for this season. And I just wanted to play for you, Laurie, the ending of um, episode two. You've got... Um, She's the main. Is this going to spoil things? I don't think it's going to spoil it. She's under pressure, basically. So she's under pressure. Okay. And I just wanted to play for you the reaction she has being under pressure. Um, so I'm going to see All if right. I can play it for you now. And I wonder if the audio will work well. Maybe you can do the um, the clip. Um, get the audio for the people at home. Uh, hopefully it will work. I wonder if you'll notice my uh, my feeling. So I wonder if you noticed what I thought was quite funny about that. Um, I don't know whether I... The thing is, it makes me think of other films um, so, where that sort of moment has happened. But no, I, it enlightened me. For, I, I Forgive me for chuckling because that's probably a very emotional moment. It is an emotional context, moment, but I just found it so it's kind of funny, funny because she's all like, I'm so, I can't contain it. I'm in the car and I can't contain myself. I'm so stressed out. I'm going to scream. Ah! And then the way she like decides, she decides to do like a kind of stomp routine on the <laughs> steering wheel and on the the headrest and everything. And it's just so like, is this the best we can do? Like that's, I feel like that is just, I don't know. I feel like that's symptomatic of British TV, knowing everything of what they should do, really striving to get there and then kind of have ending up with this sort of damp squib that just doesn't, just makes it look a bit silly. I don't know. You're missing out the authenticity of the tantrum <laughs> film because the, the reality in this case, actually, this is another point. But have you ever seen anyone, especially an adult? It's a bit weird actually when it happens to have a genuine tantrum, a bit like a temper tantrum. They do do stuff like that. I know, but like even then, ridiculous. it felt like so. It was particularly the arms and like the smacking of the uh, the uh, what do you <laughs> it call it, the sun guard, and the, it was just so like I need to act straight. <laughs> you should do. You should redo it with um, like drum and bass drum sound. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that can't have spoiled your entire experience of life. It of meant that at the end of this very emotional... And nor, and nor is that representative of Kelly MacDonald's actor. No, no, she's no, very she's talented, a good actor. Uh, nothing about that, but it just... There's something about that moment, especially with the whole cheers debacle of episode one, <laughs> and then episode two, the ending of episode two. It just yeah. made me like... I burst out laughing basically at the end of what was yeah, meant yeah. to be this big emotional scene, <laughs> and you just got somebody just going... Ah! Like, I'm having a panic attack. Yeah. Like, it just was, it was so, like, not the sort of caliber of what I think ugh, best of British. Mm. I, I think the thing is, man, I would like, there's probably someone done some actual thought into this, but I think I do understand what you mean. And I think Line of Duty really brings this out in a way that other programs wouldn't because the the reason you watch it is it's supposed to be quite bare knuckle action, right? And really tense. And as you say, they've worked hard to try and make it feel quite authentic Top quality production you i think you and i and many people in england can't see past the fact that they're obviously acting and like it's so much more obvious when it's your own dialect and kind of just places you recognize and and it, it is trying hard when you when you reduce acting to it that always is all it is everyone is trying really hard to be something that they aren't phil that is what, what this is that we're really watching hard. Let's pretend exactly as hard as you possibly can. Like really pretend that you are a police officer, please. This time, believe it. All right, you're a police officer, and it kind of right. Everyone ready to about pretend, Everyone's going to pretend on three, two, one. Pretend you're a vicious killer. You're a vicious. No, you're a vicious Grr. killer. All right. 
that, I mean, I had exactly the same problem with Jiri Haji and the stuff that really let it down for me was a lot of the London stuff because they had this um, uh, London crime lord chap called Abba who's like, all right, lads, yeah, he's a bit of a cheeky chappy, right, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, go away. <laughs> Especially when he's in a scene with Justin Long. I didn't even mention he was in it. <laughs> Justin um, Long's in a really. Yeah, Justin Long's in it. Um, a really, like, at the end of his tether, American guy who's sort of in over his head. It is often the English stuff that I feel lets it down. Kenny McDonald gets away with it. I find Scottish accents easier, actually, to, well, I to think, cope I, with. I think it's we're more, onto something yeah. here because I do genuinely think you're right. As if you're, we're much better at, at picking up acting in our own accent, which is often why I cringe when I see British people on American shows because you just they just look yeah. so, like twee and ridiculous and like l- just bad but i wonder if because they're american they don't pick up on it they just it kind of washes over but them. you're also right that shows like line of duty because they're trying to be quite hard as nails and tough as well as serious it just comes off that much more dumb doesn't it like you're right then yeah you want to say something to me like it's <laughs> you just know that they've gone home and said oh, i've got it's really difficult do you know, darling, I have a very difficult scene tomorrow because I have to pretend that I'm about to rip this man's fingernails off um, one by one. And I'm not sure which way to do it best. You, What do you think's best? If I say, all right, yeah, shall I go for the next one? How's that? How's that, darling? What do you think? Or shall I say, I'll tell you, shall I, shall I do the story one where I'm like, I'll tell you what I've always thought was interesting. You know, you know what I'm doing here, don't you? Yes, I'm I doing do. a bad job. <laughs> You're pretending very well. Even worth saying. You're pretending badly Thanks, very well. <laughs> I'm really, I'm trying really hard. Pretend. Um, I think, I think Gemma Curie is a little bit overrated, and I, I couldn't get into Line of Duty for all the reasons that you mentioned. I, but I, I I'm not going to go as strongly as say you shouldn't watch it. But I think it's just everything about it is so telling because I think actually what people like are the twists and the turns and what's going to happen next. What they're not a fan of is the sort of pseudo let's pretend really hard and use cheers instead of informant because informant's a perfectly good word. It's sort of what you'd expect in a movie. Cheers. Just sounds a bit silly. There you go. Quite a lot more emotion, I feel, expressed in this week's <laughs> show than usual, Phil. A lot of strong opinions coming out. <laughs> yeah, I think I think some controversial opinions as well. I wonder if people are going to be, you might a be bit right, upset a bit. with us. <laughs> a little nervous about that. Hey, I hope you enjoyed listening. Thanks for sticking with us to the end. I've got a little bonus for you in just a second. Phil, you've not really been contributing bonuses. I'm not a bonus man. I put my bonuses in the actual main content of the show. Everything oh, I say is you, bonus. Don't so you don't. give me this. I don't have these weird little odd, odd diary of thoughts. Uh, I, I, I do mention things when they come up, but Laurie literally is scrolling, I'm scrolling and scrolling. That's a I'm lot of thoughts. My oh my goodness. There's so, there there are so, so many, many. Phil, and I've not yet used them all. So the very first uh, note here. Um, says, base my own maturity on how neatly or well I can estimate and tear off the tin foil I need for sandwiches. <laughs> that was that's a good little thought. one. I've never, I've never used that. Actually, that's actually true. I always give myself a pat on the back when I tear off exactly the right amount of cling film or tin foil. I, uh, I always berate myself for not being an adult if I don't manage it. I rate myself on how well I am at uh, folding clothes, especially in stores that I've taken off the shelf. Well done. How well, I fold it and put it back. Film. Yeah. Excellent job. I'm sure they appreciate that, I, even when they have to redo it because you didn't do it the right <laughs> I think I do it. Right I way. think I do it to a store shop quality. That's my own personal judgment. Go and ask him. Ask him next time and record. Excuse me. See that jumper over there like... that looks exactly like all the others. <laughs> I actually picked that up and put it back. <laughs> yeah, my job. You probably can't tell which one it was. Yes, <laughs> it's, oh, yeah. it's that one exactly. Oh no, it's actually that one because you can't tell. Please record yourself doing that. <laughs> Please. Record. I'll do that when when shops reopen. Uh, oh, I do actually have an idea here, and I thought about this. And uh, this is, if you are in a long-term relationship, I suspect one of you is this person. You ready for this? Mm-hmm. Um, I think, Phil, you and I should set up a business 
um, and a website called ratemyshop.org. Unless it already exists, which is entirely possible. You know you have Rate My Plate, where people submit photos of their dinner mm. and you know people comment on it on how nice it looks and stuff. Well, ratemyshop.org is you submit your receipt so that everyone can tell you how well you did uh, getting bargains. And, uh, this is a, this is a couple of exclusive games. I am basically routinely told that I get I'm not I'm, I haven't been trusted for a long time doing the the weekly shop because I guarantee you will right, buy probably. what I think of as a bargain because it's been reduced. It says reduced sticker on it, and then she's like, "Yeah, oh, it's only been reduced by fifty p. Why would you? It's still really expensive." Exactly what the are you same doing? thing that I get in the house, Phil. I'm doing my best to learn so much so that I come home like a simpering dog, saying, "This is a good deal, isn't it?" <laughs> <laughs> it's pathetic. But I can't. It's happened to me. It's done. That's why I think the website would actually fly. Right, More sure. than that, you get to see the halves of the partners uh, who are always right about these things and always get good deals. I'd like to see them fight <laughs> tooth and nail <laughs> online so, against people who you, are even better than they you are. You don't like the fact that they've got the crown of being the better shopper and you think maybe they don't deserve right. the crown i do like i'd like that i'd pay for someone that else to take it away <laughs> to swipe it off their head you could have the champion shopper announced per year the annual uh rate my shop.org awards you've got potential hasn't it yeah i i could see lots of potential that would make uh yeah bring it on i i feel like i'm secretly quite good at shopping but maybe not Maybe not. No, if you feel that, then you're not. (laughs) Is that what it is? If you're arrogantly good at it? Yeah, almost certainly. The other other routine... Come back with stuff we don't need. That's my big problem. Yeah, but then the the other routine that we always seem to dance around, me and my wife, is that um, if we've gone out on a limb and purchased something that maybe was a bit on the pricier side... We sort of have a routine dance where we say, um, that was a good purchase, wasn't it? That was a good purchase. We just sort of tell each other that was yeah. that was worth it. We you definitely worth it. Because yeah. you have to reassure yourself that you haven't flushed your family you money down loud, the toilet. If you say it like loud and slow enough, then you can also hear it. And it's like someone else has said it to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why you do it. I'm really glad we that bought that That was a really blanket. good purchase. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I agree. That was really... Yeah, I'm so exactly. glad we bought that. All right, let's stop rambling. Hey, thanks for joining us for episode nine. It's episode 10 next week. That's I think this is one, episode isn't 10, what, isn't it? What no, this is episode nine. This is episode nine. What are you going to do to celebrate, Phil? Oh, the ten, the big one oh, the double digit. Uh, I'm going to... I did a song on the other podcast. I, I think we song. should have you sing a song, a special jingle song. Ten! We made it to episode ten. Should I bring that one back? Yeah, that was a good one. You've given it away, though. There's no surprise now. Can you up your ten song? <sighs> we shall see. Probably not, is the honest answer. <laughs> um, listeners, have a lovely week. I look forward to speaking to you again. In the meantime, send us your thoughts. Send us uh, your plus ones and minus ones. Give us a plus one, Phil or myself, if you agree with our opinion, or a minus one if you vehemently slash violently slash just disagree with it. Uh, give us your recommendations, stuff you'd love us to check out, all that stuff. We love to hear it. And uh, we'll read it out. We haven't done an email one for a couple of weeks, but we'll read out. We'll do another one of those soon. We'll curate the best. Yep, totally. All that Laurie has said. And now I am, you can't see me, but I have visually saluted you. Thanks for joining us and see you next week. Ta-ta. Bye.